Good morning. Good morning and glory to Jesus Christ. It's my great joy to be here today and to speak with you on this most great and festive day of the most holy mother of God and her dormition. Her dormition. Uh, for me, this was a great feast. Uh, you know, in the East, we have we have 14 days of prayer and fasting that that prepare us for this feast called the Dormition Fast. Uh, to those of, of, of you who are unknown about Eastern Christianity and the Eastern faiths, um, then uh, I I implore you to uh, to learn more and to follow this podcast, right? Because uh, this 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 podcast in the end is an is an Eastern Christian. Uh, podcast where we are going to be covering uh, many great uh, topics on this exact thing on um, the Eastern Christian faith and and how we we celebrate and today is the Dormition so for those of you who are a little unknown about the Dormition I would like to invite you to uh, to uh, follow this uh, this podcast, it will probably be a very long podcast, um, and it might be very boring. But my, I hope not. I hope that you get something out of this uh, this podcast. This podcast today is not going to be like uh, the standard podcast um, that I normally do, right? So normally I would do some form of preaching, right, and then. Uh, that would be it. In this today, I decided that today this this was not a good day for for preaching. Um, instead, I wanted to tell the story of of Mary in the uh, tradition of the church. By reading from this uh, this particular uh, writing that we have um, on the Dormition, right, and of the story of the Dormition, right, because so what many people do not know is that there is a ton of stories um, in the memory of the church that many people don't know about. Um, and so I have uh, I have several great books, of course. Um, but this one in particular is called The Life of the Virgin Mary, the Theotokos. It's an absolutely phenomenal book, a great book. It has uh, all of the stories of Mary and holds the tradition written, well, now written tradition of Mary inside of it. And it's so great. I love this book. Especially around the feastal, the festive times of Mary, um, I like to pull this book out. I'll I'll do it again on September eighth, uh, whenever we celebrate the Nativity of Mary. Um, I will do it again. But today, I want to read from you this most excellent narrative of the Church Fathers, and this narrative right uh, from the Church Fathers. It is uh, a narrative that is uh, 
one that comes from several sources, not just one source. Um, it comes from John of Damascene, from his brother, um, whose name actually escapes me right now, but I will remember. Um, he's from St. Germanos, uh, 635-733. Um, St. John the Theologian from St. Sophronius and Simeon. Um, I mean, the list of, of great resources that we have is uh, Cosmos. That was St. Saint, Saint, uh, John of Damascus' brother, St. Cosmos, um, is, is amazing. So without further ado, I hope that uh, this is enjoyable. Um, I hope that this is uh, lively and animated, and I hope that this is interesting. Uh, for me, this was very interesting. I Before I read this, I had never heard the story of the Dormition of Mary until now. Um, or not now, but until I read this 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 narrative, read this this uh, narrative of the church. So let us begin. Let us begin in, with a prayer first. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Rejoice with the Otokos, ever Virgin Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed art you amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. For you have born Christ, the Savior of our souls. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. St. John of Damascus writes, If her fruit, who none can may comprehend, on whose account she was called to heaven, submitted of his own will to burial as a mortal, how should she, who gave him birth without knowing a man, refuse it? In accordance with divine providence, the Theotokos, having come in from the mortal loins, had a death conformable to nature for the consolation of all people, so that they too might not fear to proceed to heaven by the same gates of death through which the Queen of Heaven passed, sharing the lot of all the earthborn. St. John of Damascus writes, It was necessary that that which was composed of earth should return to earth, and only then pass to heaven, having embraced on earth the most pure life through the subjection of the flesh. It was necessary that the body should be purified through death as gold through fire, from every darkness and coarse burden of filth, and should rise from the grave and corrupt, pure, and illumined by the light of immortality. O pure virgin, sprung from mortal loins, thine end was conformable to nature, but because thou hast borne the true life, thou hast departed to dwell with the divine life himself. St. John of Damascus' brother St. Cosmos speaks of the virgin's death as a crossing into a better eternal life. That is, it is translated her from this mortal life to that which knows no end and is indeed divine, where she may look with joy upon her Son and Lord. Now, the story. The Theotokos had now reached an advanced age. If she was born in 20 BC when construction of Herod's temple commenced, and St. Dionysius the Areopagite came to visit her and received her blessing after 52 AD, she had to be about 70 years old. As we know, she dwelt many years among the first Christians, for our Lord Jesus Christ intended to have her live among his disciples. It was their desire to behold her most holy countenance constantly and to receive strength, grace, and spiritual reinforcement through their afflictions, misfortunes, and 
adversities of life. Thus, through her personal presence, holy sayings and sweet words, the apostles indeed received strength, energy, and consolation, and accordance and accorded her reverence and glorified and blessed her. With the rapid advance of the young church, the Theotokos would rejoice at her son's boundless mercy and over all the faithful and them that fear him. Nevertheless, her fervent and unceasing desire was to leave the body and be with her beloved son in God to behold his sweet face. She shed copious tears and prayed that the Lord might remove her from this veil of tears to the blessed abodes on high. The mother of God did not fear death, nor did she seek to avoid it. She knew that death had already been overcome by her son and God. One church account records that she asked the Lord for one thing, that I may not see the dismal sight of the demons, for they are vile and foul. It is natural for chastity and modesty to seek to avoid all contact, and even proximity with those who bear filth, impudence, or shamelessness. One account records the following. She would call to mind her son's words to her before his passion when she asked him many things and about her future departure. She said to him, O most dear son, I pray thy holiness that when my soul goes out of my body that thou wilt let me know on the third day before. And do thou, O beloved son, with thy angels receive it and cause all the apostles to be present at my departure. Christ answered his beloved mother's prayer, saying, O palace and temple of the living God, O blessed mother, O queen of all saints, and blessed above all women, before thou didst carry me in thy womb, I always guarded thee, and caused thee to be fed daily with my angelic food, as thou knowest. How can I desert thee, after thou hast carried me, and nourished me, and brought me down in flight into Egypt, and endured many hardships for me? Know then, that my angels have always guarded thee, and will guard thee even until thy departure. After I undergo suffering for men, as it is written, and rise again on the third day, and after forty days ascend into heaven, thou shalt see my archangel Gabriel coming to thee with a palm, which I shall send to thee from heaven. Know that then I shall soon come to thee, together with his disciples, angels and archangels, and the saints and virgins. Know for certain that thy soul will be separated from the body, and I shall carry it into the heavens, where it shall never have tribulation or anguish. Then the Theotokos rejoiced and exalted, and kissed the knees of her son, and blessed the Creator of heaven and earth, who gave her such a gift through Jesus Christ her son. At that time she still lived in the house of St. John, the theologian on Mount Zion. She often went from there to the Mount of Olives, to the very place of the ascension into the heavens of her son and Lord. There, in solitude, she would offer up fervent prayers. As she was thus praying on the Mount of Olives that the Lord quickly take her to heaven, there appeared before her the archangel Gabriel. It was the very archangel who had served the virgin from her earliest childhood, for he had fed her in the Holy of Holies, announced to her the good news of the birth of her divine son, and constantly guarded her, through her throughout her life on earth. With a radiant face, the celestial ambassador disclosed to the Theotokos the following. Thus saith thy son, The days are approaching when I will take my mother unto me. Thus my mistress and my lady, queen of heaven and the creator's most immaculate mother, thine only begotten son and God sent me to tell thee that he calls thee unto him, to his kingdom, to his ineffable glory, that thou might sit at the right hand of his throne, 
He awaiteth thee. Therefore, do not be troubled over these words, but receive it with delight, for thou shalt be translated to life eternal. Thus the virgin heard those much longed-for words which she received with gladness. The archangel then said, Thy son and our God, with the angels, archangels, cherubim, and seraphim, and all the heavenly spirits, and the souls of the righteous will receive thee, his mother, into the heavenly kingdom, that thou mayest live and reign with him forever. Tradition has it that this occurred on a Friday. Thus, after three days on a Sunday, she would depart and be with Christ. The archangel then told the virgin the hour of her death. Again, as in her, as in her youth, he said that she should receive his words with joy, since she was being called to immortal life and to the eternal king of glory. As a sign of all this, the archangel gave into her hand a date palm branch from paradise, which shone with the light of heavenly grace. It signified that bodily death would not have power over her, just as a spiritual death had not dominion over her. She would merely fall asleep for a short time, and then, as if waking from sleep, would rise and shake off death like sleep from the eyes. She would then see in the light of the Lord's face the immortal life and glory to which she should go she would she would go with shouts of joy and spiritual happiness. The archangel informed her that the branch was to be carried before the bier of her most honorable and pure body. Upon hearing these words, the Theotokos was filled with ineffable joy and spiritual rapture. For what could be more joyous and acceptable to her than life in heaven with her son and the happiness of contemplating his face? Then falling to her knees, she fervently thanked her creator. That the virgin should receive an advance of pledge or assurance from, from paradise would not be an unheard of occurrence in the history of the Orthodox Church. Others, too, have received gifts from paradise, such as St. Methodius, Patriarch of Constantinople, St. Irene Chrysovolantu, and St. Euphrosinus, the cook. St. Germanos, circa 635-733, to Patriarch of Constantinople, comments that this palm branch given to her was a symbol of victory, which was given to convince her that in leaving this life she would overcome corruption, just as Christ conquered Hades. Such palms had the God-loving children of the Hebrews held when Christ was approaching his passion and was soon to become victorious over death. Then she uttered the following prayer to God. I would not have been worthy to receive thee, O Lord, into my womb, unless thou thyself had mercy on me, thy slave. I kept the treasure entrusted to me, and therefore I have the boldness to ask thee, O King of glory, to protect me from the power of Gehenna. If heaven and the angels tremble before thee, how much more man, made of dust, who has nothing good of his own except what he has been given by thy goodness, thou, O Lord, art God, blessed forever. The Theotokos also desired to behold the holy apostles who were then scattered throughout the world preaching the gospel. When Our Lady knelt and offered her petition and thanksgiving to her Creator, her prayer was accompanied by a wonderful manifestation. The olive trees growing on the Mount of Olives bowed with the Theotokos as though they were animate. When the Theotokos knelt, the trees bent down. When she arose, the trees straightened themselves out again. Thus even trees revered and honored the Lady and Mistress of the Universe. After contemplating completing her prayer, the Theotokos returned to her home. Then by the invisible power of God, the Theotokos shone forth with the glory of God, her lovely face which always shone with the grace of God, more so than the face of Moses who spoke to God on Sinai, became even more radiant with indescribable glory. 
The Theotokos then prepared for her repose. She told the matter to the beloved disciple John, who had taken her into his home as his own mother. She also showed him the flowering branch from paradise and told him to carry it before her bier. The plants of chastity, the fragrant myrrh, O John the Apostle who has lain on the bosom of the Master and made the word to fall in the world like rain, thou hast guarded the virgin as the apple of thine eye. That particular uh, hymn is a hymn um, inside of the church. Very old. Both St. Sophronius and St. Simeon Metaphrastes St. Sophronius from 566 to 638 and St. Simeon Metaphrastes circa 1000 say without any hesitation that the theologian never left the virgin but as a true son he served her and gave her shelter in his home till her repose. The virgin then disclosed her, ple- her pending repose to the rest of the household and virgins. Mary Magdalene, Sephora, Abigail, and Jael that dwelt with her and they bewailed their orphanhood. But she consoled them, saying that she would intercede for them and all the world. She then ordered that her bed and room should be decorated, that incense and as many lamps as possible to be lit in it. She then changed her clothes, simply put, all necessary preparations for her burial were made. St. John the Theologian at once sent for the Lord's brother, James, the first bishop of Jerusalem. John also sent for all their relatives and neighbors, informing them of the imminent repose of the Mother of God. St. James, too, also informed all the Christians, both them that were in Jerusalem and in the surrounding towns and villages. Thus a great multitude of the faithful gathered around the Theotokos. Then in the hearing of all, the Theotokos told all of them that had gathered of the message brought to her by the Archangel Gabriel concerning her translation into heaven. In confirmation, she then showed them the date palm branch from paradise, which like a ray of the sun shone with the light of heavenly glory. Upon uttering these words, the faithful cannot restrain their tears. The whole house was then filled with weeping and lamentation. All implored the merciful lady as the common mother of all not to leave them orphans. The Theotokos, however, asked them not to weep for her, but to rejoice at her repose. She said that she would be able to pray to her son with greater boldness after her death, for she would be standing near to the throne of God and gazing face to face upon her son and God and would converse with him. She promised that she would not leave them orphans after her departure, but that she would visit the whole world and attend to its needs and help those in trouble. These comforting words dried their tears and brought solace to their sorrow. The Theotokos then made a will concerning her two garments. She desired that they be given to two poor widows who had faithfully served her and received their maintenance from her. With regard to her pure body, the mother of God made her will known that it should be buried on the Mount of Olives, not far from Jerusalem, in the Garden of Gethsemane. There also were interred her parents, the righteous Joachim and Anna, and her spouse, St. Joseph. The tombs lay in the valley of Jehoshaphat, between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. While the Theotokos was making these arrangements, all of a sudden a noise was heard similar to a clap of thunder. A cloud then encircled the home of St. John the Theologian by the command of God. Angels had seized the apostles that were scattered to the ends of the world and brought them on clouds to Jerusalem, all save the apostle Thomas, were then placed on Simon, uh, placed on Sion before the door of the house where the Theotokos dwelt.
Some are of the opinion that St. John the Theologian, who had also been caught up in a cloud like the others. No doubt it was from some place close by, though. Therefore, in seeing one another, the holy apostles rejoiced at the same time. They wondered, saying, Why has the Lord gathered us together in this place? St. John the theologian then went out to them and greeted them with joyful tears. He then informed them of the speedy departure of the Most Holy Mother of God. Then the holy apostles understood that the Lord had gathered them from the various parts of the world to be present at the blessed end of his Immaculate Mother and for the honorable burial of her body as his meat. Nevertheless, her departure from among them brought intense sorrow to their hearts. Entering the house, they beheld the Theotokos wearing a joyful countenance, sitting upon her bed. Then reaching that immaculate body, the source of life, they, the apostles, saluted it with mighty honor. The holy apostles then greeted the mother of life for these words, Blessed art thou of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The immaculate lady replied, Peace to you, brethren, chosen by the Lord himself. Then she asked, How did you arrive here? And then the holy apostles revealed how, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, each of them was called up from the place that where he had been preaching the gospel. Then, when the Theotokos heard that Peter came from Rome, Mark from Alexandria, Matthew had been on a boat, and the others where they were carried from, she glorified God who had hearkened to her prayer and fulfilled the desire of her heart to behold the holy apostles at the hour of her death. Then during this conversation, the chosen vessel arrived, the holy apostle Paul. Falling at the feet of the Theotokos, he opened his mouth, praising and blessing her. Rejoice, mother of my life and my preaching. Gazing on thee now, I think that I see thy son. Already the divine Paul's close disciples had, had arrived. That is, St. Dionysius the Areopagite, St. Hierotheos, Apostle Timothy, and other godly wise hierarchs. Also present were the rest of the seventy apostles. All had been granted, gathered by the Holy Spirit that they might be granted the blessing of Mary Theotokos. Moreover, their presence also increased the solemnity of her burial. Then the Immaculate Lady called each of the holy apostles by name to herself, and she praised their faith and labors in the preaching of Jesus Christ. To each one she wished eternal beatitude, and she prayed for the peace of the whole world. After, with great joy, she said to them, Stay away, stay a while, my children, that I may bid thee farewell. For today I will go to my son, my beloved, the archangel Gabriel, who announced the conception of my son to me, again came and gave me this palm branch, saying, Rejoice, O God, birth giver, and know that after three days thou shalt be translated from earth to the heavens. And thus I thank my son and God for gathering you all here, that I may behold you. Upon hearing this, they all wept. Then she addressed them, saying, the Lord has brought you here for the consolation of my soul, which, as our mortal nature demands, is soon to be separated from the body. Already the time appointed by my Creator draws nigh. In sorrow, they then replied, During thy life on earth, O Lady, we were consoled by gazing upon thee as upon our Lord and Master himself, but now, deprived of thy presence, how shall we bear this heavy sorrow that envelops our souls? But now, by the will of him who was born of thee, Christ God, thou art going away to the heavenly abode, and it is impossible for us not to rejoice at the decision of God regarding thee, though at the same time we cannot refrain from weeping, that we are to be left orphans, for we shall no longer see thee, our mother and comforter. At these words the holy apostles wept.
She then said, Watch and pray with me, that when the Lord comes to receive my soul, he may find you watching. Then all promised and pray prayed the whole night with psalms and chants. It was the Lord's day, the fifteenth day of the month of August, when that blessed hour that all were awaiting drew near. It was the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. In the room, a number of lamps were burning. The holy apostles were offering praise to God. Upon a beautifully adorned bed, the Theotokos was lying and preparing herself for her blessed end when, she, when her beloved Son and Lord would come to her. She then greeted each apostle with a blessing. She then stretched her hands to heaven and prayed, saying, I adore, praise, and glorify thy much to be praised name, O Lord, because thou hast looked upon the lowliness of thy handmaiden, because thou that art mighty hast done great things for me, and behold, all generations shall call me blessed. After this prayer, she said to the apostles, Cast incense and pray, because Christ is coming with a host of angels, and behold, Christ is at hand, sitting on a throne of cherubim. When they had prayed, there was thunder from heaven, and there came a fearful voice as if of chariots. And behold, a multitude of a host of angels and powers and of voices that the Son of Man was heard. Then there shone in the room an ineffable light of divine glory which dimmed the lamps. Those that were granted this vision were awestruck. Many beheld the roof of the, of the apartment open and the glory of the Lord descending from heaven. It was Christ, the King of glory, with hosts of angels and archangels and all the heavenly powers. Also with them were the holy fathers and prophets who prophesied of old concerning the pure virgin, and of all the righteous souls approached his immaculate mother. St. John of Damascus also mentions that some of the most famous and righteous prophets of the Old Testament were in attendance. The text of Pseudo-John, in describing the events, records that the Theotokos' mother Anna and her cousin Elizabeth appeared with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, and all the choirs of saints, singing, praising, and venerating the body of the Mother of God. At the sight of the approach of her son, the Theotokos cried with great joy <clears throat> and to her son, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And behold, a stream of light came upon the virgin because of the presence of her son. And all the powers of the heavens fell down and adored him. He then said, Mary, she answered, Here I here am I, Lord. Raising herself from her bed as if she were trying to go to meet her son, she worshipped the Lord. Looking at her with love, he said, Arise, come, my beloved, my fair one, my dove. Arise from the dead with authority, because thou art my mother. Arise and come to my kingdom, for thou art the queen of all. Arise to receive my divine glory. O my sweet mother, arise and come unto me, my fair dove, for thou art escorted by my angelic hosts. Take up thy soul on thy virginal, incorrupt, and divine body, that thou mayest soar to the heights of heaven and go through my spiritual hierarchies. And come unto me, that thou mightest sit at my right hand in order to enjoy that, the throne of thy kingdom, 
which is prepared for thee since the foundation of the world. Gird thyself with the glorious and gold-embroidered royal garment of thy virtues. Adorn thyself with the luminous glory of thy divine blessedness. Arise, come, my beloved, my fair one, my dove. Yea, come. Bowing, the mother of God replied, Blessed is the name, O Lord of God and my God, O Lord of glory and my God, who is pleased to choose thy humble handmaid for the service of thy mystery. Remember me, O King of glory and the eternal kingdom. Thou knowest that I have loved thee with all my heart and have kept the treasure entrusted to me. And now receive my soul in peace and defend me from all the snares and the dark powers of Satan. The Lord then consoled his mother with words full of love and persuaded her not to fear the power of Satan, which had already conquered, was already conquered by her. He called her with love to pass fearlessly from earth to heaven. St. Gregory Palamas comments on the love between son and mother thus, Wherefore she loves and is loved in return more than any other, for he was her only son. Moreover, she alone among women gave birth knowing no spouse, so that the love of him that was of her flesh was twofold. Who will the only begotten love more than his mother? He who came forth from her in an indescribable manner without a father in his last day in this last age, even as he came forth from the father without a mother before the ages. He that came down and fulfilled the law, how could he not multiply the honor due his mother above and beyond the law? And the Lord remained by her and said, Behold, presently thy soul will be translated to the heavens to the treasures of my Father in exceeding brightness, where there is peace and joy of the holy apostles, and many other things. Then the mother of the Lord answered and said to him, Lay thy right hand upon me, O Lord, and bless me. Then the Lord stretched forth his undefiled right hand and blessed his mother. She then took hold of his hand and kissed it, saying, I adore this right hand which created the heaven and the earth, I call upon thy much to be praised named Christ, O God, the King of the ages, the only begotten of the Father, to receive thine handmaid. O thou who didst reign to be brought forth by me in a low estate, to save the race of men through thine ineffable dispensation, do thou bestow thine aid upon every one calling upon, or praying to, or naming the name of thine handmaid. While uttering this, the apostles went up to her feet and venerated her, saying, O Mother of the Lord, leave a blessing to the world, since thou art going away from it. For thou hast blessed it and raised it up when it was ruined, by bringing forth the light of the world. The Theotokos then prayed and spoke thusly, O God, who through thy great goodness has sent from the heavens thine only begotten Son to dwell in my humble body, who has deigned to be born of me, humble as I am, have mercy upon the world and every soul that calls upon thy name. And again she prayed and said, O Lord, King of the heavens, Son of the living God, accept every man who calls upon thy name, that thy birth may be glorified. Then she continued shortly after saying, O Lord Jesus Christ, who art all-powerful in heaven and on earth, in this appeal I implore thy holy name, and every time and place where there is made mention of my name, make that place holy and glorify that them that glorify thee. 
through my name, accepting from such persons all their offerings and all their supplications and all their prayers. Having thus prayed, the Lord said to his mother, Let thy heart rejoice and be glad, for every grace and every gift has been given to thee from my Father in heaven, and from me and from the Holy Spirit. Every soul that calls upon thy name shall be ashamed, shall not be ashamed, but shall find mercy and comfort and support and confidence, both in the world that now is and in that which is to come, in the presence of my Father in the heavens. She then rose up and blessed each of the apostles with her own hand, and all gave glory to God. Then addressing her son and his disciples, she uttered, O ye apostles assembled here from the ends of the earth, bury my body in Gethsemane, and thou, O my son and God, receive my spirit. Then she said, Ready is my heart, O God, ready is my heart. Then she repeated the words once said by her, Be it unto me according to thy word, and then lay down on the bed. Feeling unspeakable joy at the sight of the radiant face of her son and Lord, the Theotokos, filled with spiritual rapture, out of love for him, surrendered her pure soul into the hands of the Lord. The Lord stretched forth his undefiled hands and received her holy and blameless soul. She felt no pain whatsoever, but as if she had fallen into a sweet sleep. He, whom she conceived without destroying her virginity and bore without pain, now received her soul from her body. St. John of Damascus also speaks of how the lawgiver fulfilled his law concerning mothers. He says, He who, taking flesh, strangely made his dwelling in thy pure womb, himself received thine all-holy spirit, and as a son paying his due, he gave it rest with himself. At once there began wonderful and joyous angelic singing, repeating the former words of Gabriel. Rejoice, thou who art full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. At this point, St. Cosmas describes the scene in this manner. He says, The angelic powers were amazed as they looked in Sion upon their own master, bearing in his hands the soul of a woman, for as befitted a son... He said to her who without spot had borne him, Come honored among women, and be glorified together with thy Son and God. With such triumphant hymns did the heavenly host accompany the holy soul of Theotokos as she went into the arms of the Lord to the dwelling above. The holy apostles, who were found worthy to behold this vision, followed the mother of God with tender eyes, as once they followed the Lord when he ascended from the Mount of Olives. For a long time now they looked steadfastly toward heaven as if they were in a swoon. When they came to themselves, the disciples worshipped the Lord who had raised his mother's soul to heaven with glory. They surrounded her bed with weeping. An ancient hymn says, At the divine command the chief apostles hastened from the ends of the earth to bury thee. And when they beheld thee taken up from earth to heaven, they shouted with joy in the words of Gabriel and cried unto thee, Rejoice, thou bearer of the divinity! Rejoice thou who alone by thy childbirth has brought together earthly things and things on high. The face of the Theotoko shone like the sun, and a splendid and sweet perfume emitted from her most pure body. It was a scent that is impossible to find here on earth. With piety and fear, the holy apostles kissed the most pure body, 
and we're sanctified by contact with it. I want to add to that for just a minute. This still happens today. In many of the times when we hear about Mary being present in an area, especially at the apparition sites, it's it's been uh, closely related to the smell of roses, but anyone who's smelled it before uh, is not it's, it is not roses. Um, it's clear that it is something else. But the only words that I can put to it would be almost as if it's the smell of roses, uh, which is it's amazing um, when you do actually have that experience of Mary. And of her, of her uh, presence through the Lord, you you smell this, and it's a smell that that is indescribable. It again, it smells like roses. That's the closest I could get to. I have smelled it before. Um, it's a wonderful scent. It it the closest I can get to is roses. Uh, that that's the closest I can get, and most of the the other ancient writers they'll either say it's indescribable or it smells like roses. So um, close to roses. So uh, just uh, just a, a little little thing there. In the midst of these events, which had accompanied the dormition of the Theotokos, they began the solemn procession to inter her most honorable body. The apostles bore her bier aloft on their shoulders. To, towards the head were St. John the theologian, St. Peter on the other side, then St. James and St. Paul opposite him. The other apostles and hierarchs proceeded chanting, while St. John the theologian also carried the branch from paradise, which shone brightly. The rest of the faithful with lights and censers walked close by surrounding the bed. All sang the funeral prayers. These would have been the prayers that were that were uh, present within the Jewish tradition at the time, uh, more than likely highly Christianized uh, to uh, honor Christ inside of his, uh, his divinity with the new revelation. Then at the command of the Savior, the preeminent apostle Peter began chanting one of the, the Psalms of David. Israel went out of Egypt, and the house of Jacob, from among a barbarous people, became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion, Alleluia. Praise the Lord, praise all servants of the Lord, 
Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is on high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on all the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust, and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Glory to Thee, O God. Together with the other apostles who sang with most sweet voices, the solemn profession conveyed the sacred body of the Theotokos from Zion through Jerusalem to Gethsemane. Hovering over the bier and accompanying the procession, there appeared a circular cloud reminiscent of a crown, which shone with bright radiance. In the hearing of all, there resounded ceaseless angelic singing from out of the cloud that filled the air. Come, let us crown the church with song as the ark of God goes to her breast. 
Many of the Jews who did not believe in Christ on hearing the unusual chanting and witnessing the triumphant procession left their homes and joined the multitude. They too went along and followed the procession out of the city, astonished at the glory and honor that was given to the most honorable body of the Theotokos. When the chief priests and scribes learned of this, they burned with the heaviest hatred and began to reason frivolously. Indeed, they would become inflamed at anything that reminded them of Christ. They stirred by many of the people and sent temple servants and soldiers to overtake the procession and disperse it. They also ordered them to slay the disciples of Christ and to burn the body of Mary, for they claimed that the nation of the Druids were ruined by this woman. Then Satan entered and incited the mob. They then quickly began to arm themselves as if for battle. Furiously, they hastened to overtake the procession. Gradually, they began to catch up with them, when suddenly the circular cloud that was floating in the air descended and surrounded like a wall of protection, the holy apostles and the rest of all of the Christians. Indeed, the pursuers only heard chanting, but could see no one behind the wall of the cloud. Then the holy angels, invisibly hovering over the sacred relics and the Christians, struck the malicious persecutors with blindness. And struck with blindness, the persecutors began striking their heads against the walls and then struck each other. Others, not knowing where to go, looked for someone who might lead them. At that time, a Jewish priest called Athonios, some texts give his name as Jephonius, was out on the road. When the cloud had lifted by the command of God, he beheld the holy apostles and a multitude of Christians who with lights were chanting about the beer of the mother of Jesus. No tongue of clay could adequately describe the joyous procession, but Athonius was filled with envy and had a storm of disbelieving thoughts assail him. Then, with great malice in his heart, he blurted out, Look, what honor surrounds the body of her who bore the imposture, who destroyed the law of our fathers. Being a strong man by nature, he rushed with mad fury through the crowd of Christians, and running up towards the bier, he attempted to cast the virgin's body to the ground. When the audacious hands of the priest barely touched the couch, an invisible angel at once struck them off of the elbows with the immaterial sword of divine vengeance. Thus, Anthonius' hands clung fast to the bed while he collapsed to the earth, wailing, Woe is me! The Jews that beheld this sight of their priest then cried out, Verily he that was brought forth by thee the true God, O Mother of God, ever-Virgin Mary. Acknowledging his sin, Othonius repented and turned to the holy apostles and said, Have mercy on me, servants of Christ. The preeminent apostle Peter then ordered the procession to stop. He then said to Othonius, now thou hast received thy just fruits. Know that the Lord is the God of vengeance. The God of vengeance hath spoken openly. And thus we cannot heal thee of thy wounds. Only our Lord himself can do this. And whom you had unjustly rose up against, seized and killed. Even he will not bestow healing upon thee till thou wilt believe in him with all thy heart and confess thy, with thy mouth that Jesus is the true Messiah, the Son of God. Then Anthonios cried aloud, I believe that he is the Savior of the world foretold by the prophets. He is the Christ. 
From the very first we saw that he was the Son of God, but being darkened by malicious envy, we did not acknowledge the greatness of God openly, but delivered him to death, though he was guiltless. But by the power of his divinity he arose on the third day, putting us all to shame. He attempted to conceal his resurrected by bribing the soldiers. We, could, we attempted to conceal his resurrection by bribing the soldiers, but we could do nothing, as the glory of the resurrection was manifest and spread abroad. When Antonio uttered his confession and repented of his sin, the holy apostles and all the faithful rejoiced with the joy of the angels over a penitent sinner. The holy apostle Peter then ordered Antonios to put the wounds of his severed arms to the limbs hanging on the bier. He then told him to call upon the most holy mother of God with faith. Antonios did as he was instructed, and at once the severed arms were joined at the mark where they had been severed. Only a red line remained above his elbows. Othonios then fell down before the bier and worshipped Christ God, who was born of the Virgin Mary. He then blessed with many praises his Immaculate Mother. Then Othonios began to recite prophecies from Holy Scripture that testified both to the Virgin Mary and to Christ. Therefore all were doubly amazed at beholding Othonios' miraculous healing and hearing from him the wise words with which he glorified the Lord Jesus and praised the Mother of God. Othonios then joined the procession, following behind the bed, with the other Christians to Gethsemane. He was later baptized. Some who were part of the rushing mob that were struck with blindness also acknowledged their sin and penitently approached the honorable bier and touched it with faith. When the apostle touched their faces with the heavenly palm branch, they regained their bodily sight together with the eyes of their soul. Thus the merciful mother of our Lord, mother, uh, thus the merciful mother of all, our most holy lady, as by her birth she had given joy to the whole world, so at her falling asleep she did not wish to sadden anyone. As the good mother of the good king, she mercifully consoled even them that were her enemies with gracious gifts. We learn that the celestial hierarchies came to escort the Theotokos soul as it was transported into the heavenly realms and eternal life. The dominions and the thrones, the rulers, the principalities and the powers... The cherubim and the fearful seraphim glorify thy dormition. And with them were the prophets and the whole creation, thy son who received into his immaculate hands thy spotless soul. That is from the Matinal Logs on Tone 4. It's a very beautiful hymn. <clears throat> Among the prophets and attendants, we find the Theotokos' ancestor, David. Cry out, O David, what is this present feast? And he said, Christ is translated into the heavenly mansions, her who bore him without seed, of whom I sang in the book of Psalms, calling her daughter, child of God and virgin. Therefore, mothers and daughters and brides of Christ, rejoice and cry. Rejoice, thou who art translated into the heavenly kingdom. St. John of Damascus comments that it was fitting that the bride whom the Father had espoused should dwell in the heavenly bridal chambers. And St. Gregory Palamas writes, Today we celebrate her holy dormition or translation to another life, while being a little lower than the angels, referring to her mortality, 
by our proximity to the God of all. She has ascended higher than the angels and the archangels and all the hosts that are found beyond them. In accordance with the hymnography of the church, the gates of heaven were lifted and the angels sang. Mm. Open wide the gates and receive above the world the mother of the everlasting light. The tomb in the Garden of Gethsemane was east of Jerusalem across the Kidron Valley. Finally, the holy apostles with all the multitude of the Christians reached the garden. When they laid down the bier with her most precious body, again the Christians began to weep and bewailed their orphanhood at the loss of such a treasure. In giving the last kiss, the Christians fell down before the body of the Theotokos. Kissing it, they shed copious tears, so that only towards evening could the most honorable body be placed in the new tomb. Her sacred relics were laid with the greatest honor, while chanting and weeping took place, when the apostles stepped before her bier to bid her, her farewell. Each according to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they uttered psalms of triumph and thanksgiving and chanted prayers. Then, even after an enormous stone had been rolled into place before the mouth of the tomb, the faithful did not wish to depart. Held by their intense love for the Mother of God, thus the holy apostles also stayed by her tomb and did not leave Gethsemane for three days, chanting psalms continually. During all this time, there could be heard in the air the wonderful chanting of the heavenly hosts that were praising God and the blessing His Immaculate Mother. The soul of the Theotokos was then received into the hands of her son. Panagia, right, which is another word for the Blessed Virgin, asked her son if she could visit Hades to see where he himself had gone to deliver the forefathers. We read about that in 1 Peter 3.19. It says, Radiant angels escorted the soul of the Theotokos to this region. St. John Damascus makes mention of this in a mantle hymn of the feast chanting. Oh, strange wonder it was to see the living heaven of the ruler of all descend into the hallows of the earth. Rejoice, O thou who didst trample upon the all-destructive Hades. Rejoice, thou who didst open the gates of paradise to the Christian race who ever blesseth thee. From his spiritual psalter, St. Ephraim entreats us. He says, O my lady, do not leave me in the terrible hour of death, but hasten to my aid and deliver me from the bitter torments of the demons. For thou choosest, thou hast the power to accomplish thou this. If thou choosest, let's note this, 
For if thou choosest, thou hast the power to accomplish this. For thou art truly the mother of God, who reignest over all. The icons of the Dormition depict Christ in glory. And it's usually surrounded by uh, Mandorla. Looking at the body of his mother stretched on a litter, which is richly, richly draped beer. The virgin is clad in her red and blue garments. We see Christ holding in his arms a small figure of a child clothed in white and crowned with a halo. It is the all-luminous soul of Mary, represented as a newborn infant that he has just taken to himself. It must be remembered that it is not so much the assumption that is celebrated in the Eastern churches, Christian churches, on the 15th of August, but rather it's the dormition, in Greek for kemesis, or falling asleep of the Mother of God. The most sacred feast marks the falling asleep of the Mother of God, which was followed by the translation of her sacred body um, three days later into heaven. This feast, therefore, marks her soul being committed into her son's hands and the short sojourn of her body in the tomb. It goes to show us that death is not the annihilation of our existence, but a passage from earth to heaven. It was St. Juvenal, Patriarch of Jerusalem in the 5th century, so that would be the 400s, who related to St. Pulcheria the earliest traditions concerning the translation of the relics of the Theotokos. At the end of the 6th century, Emperor Maurice, of 582-602, dated her August remission as the 15th of August in order that the feast be celebrated throughout the universe. Unlike the resurrection of Christ, the mysterious character of her death, burial, resurrection, and ascension were not the subject of apostolic teachings, or at least uh, there are no epistles on such. Uh, yet it was revealed to the inner consciousness of the church. This, this is, so to speak, that it was translated uh, from master to disciple over the period of the past um, roughly four, four or five hundred years before it was uh, put down in writing, which th that's not unheard of. The Bible itself, um, as, it, as it sits today, was not put together till the fourth century. So um, we know that both as the uh, scriptures come out of the, the, the memory and the tradition of the church, so does this um, this uh, also come from that same tradition, from that inner consciousness of the church. It's inaccessible to the view of those outside the church. The glory of the Theotokos remission can be contemplated only in the inner light of tradition. The glorification of the Virgin Mother is a result of the voluntary condescension of the Son who is incarnate of her and made Son of man, capable of dying. The mother of God is now established beyond the general resurrection and the last judgment, having passed from death to life, from time to eternity, from terrestrial condition to celestial beatitude. Hence, the feast of August 15th is a second mysterious Pascha, since the church celebrates before the end of time the secret first fruits of its eschatological consummation. Now, a lot of people are like, what happened to Thomas? 
And so we do have the story of we do have the story of uh, of the uh, what's the name? We do have the we do have the story of Thomas, and I wanted to go and share that as well because I think that it's necessary. While Thomas was enlightening the lands of of India by preaching the gospel, the honored mission of the Mother of God took place. All the apostles had been caught up from various lands on the clouds of heaven and were transported to Gethsemane to the beer of the all-blessed virgin. By God's special arrangement, Thomas was not brought. This was permitted by the will of God that the faithful might be assured that the mother of God was bodily assumed into heaven. For just as they were, great, they were more greatly assured of the resurrection of Christ through the disbelief of Thomas, so did they learn of the bodily assumption into heaven of the all-pure virgin Mary, the Theotokos, through the delay of Thomas. And here goes the story. On the third day after the burial, Thomas was suddenly caught up in a cloud in India and transported to a place in the air above the tomb of the Virgin. From that vantage point, he beheld the translation of her body into the heavens and cried out to her, Whither goest thou, O Holy One? And removing her cincture, she gave it to Thomas, saying, Receive this, my friend. And then she was gone. Thereafter, he descended to find the other disciples keeping watch over the sepulcher of the Theotokos. He sat down beside them with the cincture in his hand, greatly saddened that he had not been there when she reposed, as had been the other apostles. Hence he said, We are all disciples of the Master. We all preach the same thing. We are all servants of one Lord, Jesus Christ. How then is it that you were counted worthy to behold the repose of his mother and I was not? Am I not an apostle? Can it be that God is not pleased with my preaching? I beseech you, my fellow disciples, open the tomb that I also may look upon her remains, and embrace them and bid her farewell. Taking pity on him, the apostles then did as uh, Thomas requested and opened the tomb, that he might at least behold the vent and venerate the sacred relics. The holy apostles then rolled away the stone and opened the tomb. All were aghast when they discovered that her remains had vanished, not realizing that just moments before she had been bodily transported to paradise. All that remained were the burial clothes, which emitted a wonderful fragrance. Thus they stood in amazement, and then each of them kissed the burial clothes which were lying in the tomb. Then they prayed to the Lord that he would reveal to them where the body of the Theotokos had been transported. So let's talk about that cincture real quick, and then uh, that'll be it for today. So in biblical times, the cincture or girdle was made of leather or, or cloth. Um, it's significant that the virgin left her cloth cincture to the, to the apostle Thomas and subsequently left it to the church. Actually, it's venerated at Mount Athos, where it, it resides at to today. The girdle placed around the middle and the loins wherein is the seat of desire signifies the mortification of carnal desires. We know that the Immaculate Virgin Mother subdued the passions um, most perfectly. We chant during the service of the, de the position of the cincture of the Theotokos, uh, which is commemorated on the 31st of August, the, the last day of the year. Remember, the church calendar um, ends, on, uh, or ends on the 31st and begins on the 1st of September that thy cincture as the garment of thy virginity and bridehood is truly shown to be a most honorable wedding chamber, O Theotokos. So St. Joseph, the hymnographer 
understood that the precious relic of the virgin's uh, cincture or girdle was left to us as a surety of her mediation and assistance to Christian strugglers for their purity and chastity. Hence he chants, The heart is renewed which touches the sacred cincture of the virgin with fervent faith. For it is girded about with invincible power against impure passions and remains unscathed by incorporeal force. Thus it is meaningful when, in the taking of the great angelic habit, the candidate receives the girdle and is told to gird his loins with the power of truth for mortification of body and renewal of spirit and for courage and caution and fulfillment of Christ's commandments. Such a very important thing, a very important thing to remember um, in general. So that is a story of the uh, Dormition of Mary, and I hope that that was informative. I know it was a, an hour today. You know, typically I try to keep my shows to 30 minutes, but this being such a, a big feast, I wanted to make sure that we clearly understood what we were celebrating. We are celebrating life. We are celebrating life that we too are going to have. When we die, Christ will take us. If we call upon him, if we have lived for him, if we have done his will, we've been good servants to the master, we too will be taken, just as the Blessed Virgin. And we will pass over into new life. How glorious is that? How beautiful is that? That that is our, that's our future. We don't need to fear death. Death has no sting as long as we belong to Jesus Christ. Let us pray. It is truly right to bless you, O Theotokos the ever-blessed Immaculate and the Mother of our God, more honorable than the cherubim, by far more glorious than the seraphim, ever a virgin you gave birth to God the Word. O true Mother of God, we magnify you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Till next time. May the peace and joy of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Glory to Jesus Christ. Gloria Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. Thank you and goodbye.